When someone flatlines on the operating table, what happens? When the heart stops beating and the brain waves are gone, is that the end? Again and again, cases are reported of people who are declared clinically dead from 15 minutes to six hours, but they came back. And some of them came back with stories of a place very different from our world, a place some are calling heaven. Where did they go and was what they saw real? This is Mysteries of Life and I'm Tiffany Meyer. Today, we go into the topic of near-death experiences, those who nearly or actually died but recovered after having a lucid, out-of-body experience. While it might sound fantastical, something out of science fiction, it's actually quite common. A 2014 study published by the American Psychological Association estimated that about 9 million Americans had reported a near-death experience. But as for what happens during that moment of near death, we traveled to Austin, Texas to meet Pastor John Burke at Gateway Church. He's the best-selling author of Imagine Heaven. Pastor John says he has studied over 1,000 cases of near-death experiences. Now, Pastor John wasn't always a believer, either in near-death experiences or in God. So how did he start on his journey? It was actually when my dad was dying of cancer, um, I've always been very analytical. At that time, I was agnostic, skeptical. Um, I studied engineering. I worked as an engineer. So my, my brain works that way. Blind faith doesn't really work well for me. <laughs> I've got to understand, like, why and how do you know? And um, when my dad was dying, someone gave him a book on the very first research about near-death experiences. This is back in 1978. And um, I saw it, read it in one night, and said, oh my gosh, this might be evidence that this afterlife God stuff is real. And that kind of opened me up, and I, and I began a journey of exploration. And um, as I said, worked as a number of years as an engineer, and, and I, did, I came to faith. And many years later, um, we started Gateway Church for skeptics like me. Um, we say, come as you are, you know, come, come explore faith, ask your questions, doubters welcome. And, um, and I, for 35 years now, have always been curious, what are these near-death experiences? And how do they fit with what God has revealed through the scriptures? That's always been the question I've wrestled with. And so I eventually, um, in 2015, wrote Imagine Heaven. To delve into the topic, Pastor John looked at commonalities of NDEs across people of different faiths or no faith at all. He highlights 12 main ones in Imagine Heaven, but notes there's more like 40 commonalities. And uh, for instance, I'll just give you a, a, a few examples. Like they would say, I felt like I had telescopic and microscopic vision at the same time. Like I could see miles away, but I could see every you know, like in their heavenly experience, the, their, there's beauty there. It's another commonality. I see beauty. I could see miles away every vein on the leaf of every tree, you know. And what I show is that 
interestingly, in the book of Revelation, John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, also says he was taken up into heaven and, and saw the same city of God that many indie ears that I've interviewed claim to see. And he says he was taken up to this very high mountain and he's looking down at the city from a very high mountain and he reads the names that are on the gates. How in the world could he read from up on a very high mountain names on, on a gate? Well, unless, like indie ears tell us, there is this expanded dimension to our, our senses, even this telescopic vision. Another, another one is that um, communication is usually, they, they describe it, some say telepathic, but it's, it's, it's not just that. It's not just thoughts, it's feelings, it's full understanding. And that's the communication with God and that's the communication with other, other people on the other side. So there's no misunderstanding at all, like you know we suffer from here. Another commonality is how people describe their spiritual body. What people commonly say is that when they, you know, let's say they had a heart attack and they're in a hospital and they say they leave their body, but they still have a body. They're still themselves. In fact, some people told me, you're more yourself than you've ever been <laughs> when you leave this body. And, and so they have the spiritual body, but they're in the room still many times able to watch the resuscitation or able to watch the details of what's going on, oftentimes up from above. And that actually is what convinced me, and I write in Imagine Heaven, um, skeptical doctors in the afterlife, that's what convinced them. So I have a whole chapter on the evidence that convinced uh, many skeptical doctors. Like one of the cardiologists I interviewed, Dr. Michael Sabum, um, when he first heard about this, he thought, that's not true. And he actually set out to disprove it. And so he started asking his patients, because he had never heard a patient talk about this. And as he did, he started to hear more and more say, yes, here was my experience. And he said that what convinced him, some of his patients could describe the resuscitation techniques he did. And he said, if I had taped it, I could use it to teach other physicians how to do resuscitation. It was like that accurate. Those are the two main places where people experiencing an NDE end up either hovering over their body and watching the whole medical procedure unfold, or going somewhere else. Some other commonalities are when, when people leave their body, then many times they'll travel, um, sometimes through a tunnel, but not always. That's kind of a, a stereotype. Sometimes it's through space. Um, sometimes it's with angels. Sometimes there's a welcoming committee first. But they travel and usually to a place of just incredible beauty, not unlike Earth. Uh, there are mountains and trees and flowers and forests and um, animals. It's, it's like Earth and people. Um, but it's experienced in new dimensions of time and space. But what was most surprising and what really made these experiences seem real to several skeptics was when blind people reported having NDEs. Yeah, so one of the things that convinced me as well is that when blind people, people who are blind from birth on earth have a near-death experience, they can see. And in fact, what they see matches exactly two sighted people who have near-death experiences. In fact, I have three cases in Imagine Heaven of, of blind people, um, but, but there have been many more studied. And um, one of the things they talk about 
is the light of, of heaven and how it comes out of everything and how the colors are, you know, people who can see on earth say the colors are far beyond our color spectrum, which would make complete sense if the light is the light of God. And I talk about that in Imagine Heaven, that it, it talks about in, in the Jewish scriptures in Isaiah um, chapter 60 and in Revelation 21, it says there is no sun or moon in heaven because the glory of God is its light. And it says in Revelation 21, the nations will walk in that light. Well, now think about this. You have blind people who experience, so like Vicky is one of the people I write about, um, blind from birth. In her near-death experience, she travels through this tunnel. She comes out in this beautiful place. And she said light was coming out of the grass, out of the trees, out of the flowers, out of the birds, and out of the people who were coming toward her. Then there's the case of Pam Reynolds, who accurately described a series of events that occurred while she was having brain surgery. Pam Reynolds is, is another one that um, both Dr. Sabum and a surgeon, uh, Dr. Spetzler, uh, worked on. And uh, she was an American singer-songwriter and, um, and had uh, this deep brain surgery. Where, where they literally have to lower your body temperature to, to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. They drain all the blood out of you because they're going deep aneurysm in the stem of your brain. And to do that, then they put uh, 100 decibel clickers in her ears and taped her eyes shut. And, and they're doing that because they, they monitor um, the brain waves to make sure there's, there's no, there are no brain waves at all. So here's the thing is like, how can someone have an experience with no brain waves? How can they hear what's going on with 100 decibel clicking in their ears and their, and their eyes are taped shut? And yet Pam claims she left her body and was up above and she encountered um, her grandmother um, who came, uh, a welcoming committee, that's a, a commonality that many people see. She was in the presence of God, this love that she's uh, never felt anything like it before. It's another commonality. But what she also was able to describe is that the, there was a, a, a female doctor who was down by her legs who said, we can't find, we can't find it. And the male doctor said, because they were all masked, said, try the other leg. And then um, the surgeon, Dr. Spetzler, took out the, the saw, which she thought would look like a saw, but she said it really looked like an electric toothbrush. And there was like a, almost like my, my father's socket set, she said, that he took the, like the blade out of. Well, Spetzler later, I mean, and there were many other details, like the fact that they were playing Hotel California um, as she was coming back into her body. They had to shock her twice, not once, to get her heart started. She confirmed all these details to the doctors who said, you know, we didn't take the saw out until an hour into surgery. She was in the most deep anesthetized state you could possibly be in. There's no way she could have been picking up from her physical body on normal pathways all of those details. And so the, the most clear explanation, um, scientific principles, Occam's razor, which says, you know, in, in, in light of all the evidence, go with the most clear explanation. The most clear explanation is what every NDE person says, which is you live on. 
after this life. And it's a life that's more real even than this one. Many mention something known as a welcoming committee, either made up of loved ones that the near-death experiencer recognizes, or long-lost family members they only find out about after coming back. But not all experiences have been good. So what were the more negative experiences that people had? One was a cocaine overdose, um, and he was dropping. He just was dropping through darkness. And, um, and he was sober, and he was confused, like, why am I sober and why am I dropping? And he knew this is, this is hope, there's no hope. That's what he felt. Um, and he said, the more he started making excuses, like, I'm a good person, I shouldn't be going here. He knew where he's going, like, I shouldn't be going. And the more excuses he made, he felt like the more he was accelerating, until finally he, he cried out to God. He said, God, forgive me, save me. That's literally all he said. And he said he felt the presence of God right there, this unconditional love like he couldn't imagine. And he asked him, um, he's, he's a friend of mine here in town, his name is Paul Ojeda. And he said, Paul, what have you done with the life I gave you? And then he had a life review. Now in the life review typically, and this is true of good uh, and negative ones, this life review is, it's, it's neutral in the sense that they say God is there loving us because he does love us. He loves everyone. We're his children. He created us to be his own. Um, but we see very clearly the good and, and the bad of our lives. And again, time doesn't work the same way. So it's like people say they relived every moment of their lives and they don't know if it was an instant or they rewent through the whole thing. But they often talk about how they're watching almost from a 3D panoramic perspective, not just what they did in their interactions with people, but they remembered how they felt, what they were thinking, but they also experienced what the other person thought and felt. And in some cases, they also, um, like Dr. Mary Neal's a spine surgeon who I interviewed, she, her kayak was pinned underwater for, she was dead for 30 minutes. Um, and she said in that moment, she felt Jesus holding her. She knew it. Um, she had no air hunger. She wasn't afraid of death at all because it was the most glorious, wonderful moment she'd ever experienced, which is weird because she was also very aware that she was being pinned to the front of the kayak by the waterfall and her ligaments were tearing. But she felt awesome and Jesus gave her a life review and she, he showed her the ripple effect of, of everything that had happened that she would have called bad. And she said, he showed me how those things had a ripple effect through humanity that in instance after instance, that God could make something good of it in every life that turned to him. So this is the, the, you know, the life review people get. And, and Paul, um, in that moment, got a life review and he said, he asked the Lord, forgive him and give him another chance. And boom, he comes to in the ER. Um, and he looked at his girlfriend, who was a stripper, and said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to find the God who just saved me. And, um, and they both did. And they're, they're our close friends. They're married. And they started actually um, one of the largest Hispanic churches here in our city, reaching people who, you know, felt alienated or far from God or were struggling with you know, all kinds of things. 
Another common experience is people's inability to find the words to describe what's on the other side. A big one being how color is different over there. So they're experiencing this beauty, but they say things like colors like far beyond our color spectrum, like colors you've never imagined, which would make complete sense because our color spectrum on Earth is the breakdown of the spectrum of the light of the sun. But another commonality that Indiers say is that in heaven, the light is the light of God. And so the light of God is going to be far beyond the color spectrum of the light of the sun. And, and that's another fascinating thing and, and something that really validated it for me. Um, oh. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it can't match the light of God. <laughs> it's like I give up. Sorry. <laughs> All throughout history, from east to west, we find examples of people experiencing visions of heavenly realms during prayer, meditation, sleep, or what we would now call near-death experiences and other forms of out-of-body experiences. In fact, in addition to the teachings of spiritual figures, all our concepts of heaven and what it looks like come from these first-hand accounts. As Pastor John referenced in his interview, in the book of Revelation, John the Apostle described traveling to a heavenly realm and what he saw there. This is the first account of heaven we have in Christianity. John describes seeing the heavenly Jerusalem coming with the glory of God and a radiance like a very rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It has a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. He said the city is pure gold, clear as glass. In the East, several religious scriptures also describe everything in heaven as being radiant and golden from the bodies of the celestial beings there to the birds, flowers, ground, and trees. Catholic saints such as St. Faustina Kowalska, St. John Bosco, and St. Teresa wrote of experiencing visions of heaven. Similar to the vast majority of modern-day NDEs, these accounts speak of experiencing immense love and joy in the presence of an indescribable otherworldly light. In a book about her life, St. Teresa recounted a vision of paradise she saw during prayer. She wrote, It is a light that does not wane, a candidness full of sweetness, a splendor infused that deliciously enchants the eyes without tire, as does the clarity in which one sees the sublime reality. It is a light so different from ours that shines from the sun, that in comparison, the sun seems very dim. As Pastor John mentioned, a difference in time is a common theme in modern-day near-death experiences. This is consistent with historical and religious accounts. In the Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 reads, With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. A very similar saying can be found in traditional Chinese culture. A day in the heavens amounts to a thousand years on earth. A Buddhist story tells of a monk whose soul left his body while meditating. He traveled to a heavenly paradise and beheld its scenery. His soul spent one day there. However, after returning to the human world, the monk discovered that six years had gone by. Visions of heaven, divine beings, and God 
have been the source of inspiration for many artists throughout the centuries. In China, the Mogao Caves, also known as the Caves of the Thousand Buddhas, could illustrate this point. Created in 366 AD, these caves have a fascinating story. As legend has it, a traveling Buddhist monk named Le Zun stopped by Senwei Mountain near Dunhuang. While admiring the mountains, he suddenly saw an image of a magnificent golden Buddha floating in the sky. A thousand glowing Buddhas then emerged surrounded by angels playing heavenly music. Deeply moved by the scene, Le Zun put to use his skills in painting and sculpture to recreate his vision in the nearby caves. In the following centuries, the caves were filled with religious scriptures and countless Buddhist murals and became a sacred site of spiritual devotion. A present-day example of this is the story of 28-year-old American artist Akiana Kramerik. Akiana began drawing at four years old. By six, she was already painting on large-scale canvases. Young Akiana told her mother that she had visions from God and had to paint them. Her mother, who was atheist at the time, was both amazed and confused, yet she believed her young daughter. What Akiana would go on to paint would solidify her mother's faith in God. Her most famous work is a striking portrait of Jesus Christ, painted from a vision at eight years old. Many of Akiana's paintings depict heavenly scenes, which she says she has witnessed through divine revelations. In an interview with the Washington Times, Akiana described heaven, saying plants, animals, and all beings spoke not through words, but through color, vibration, and thoughts. As noted by Pastor John, those who visit heaven during their NDE almost always recount seeing unique, indescribable colors. Akiana has also spoken of this phenomenon. Describing heaven's beauty and vibrancy to CNN, she said all of the colors were out of this world. There are hundreds of millions of colors that we don't know yet. For this reason, Akiana has said it's impossible for her to capture the colors which exist in heaven. Throughout history and across cultures, heavenly visions have made believers of those who experience them or serve to strengthen their faith, and not only their own, but in many cases, the faith of those close to them and others who hear of the vivid tale. As a pastor, how would you go about telling people, especially, you know, say people who have had the near-death experience where it's so much more wonderful over there, how would you tell them to see this life on earth? Yeah, you know, that is an interesting thing, is that when people come back from these near-death experiences, many of them are depressed. And we kind of think, well, why didn't God just give us all that? Um, in fact, funny, Dr. Mary Neal asked Jesus that. Why don't you just do this for everybody? And everybody would believe. And he quoted himself, which I find hilarious. He quoted what he said to Thomas. Blessed are you because you have seen, but even more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And I think it's not easy to come back because we were created for what's coming. But there, this life has a purpose. Like we're learning something about living in the knowledge of both good, all of God's good gifts and blessings and love and beauty, but we're also living in the knowledge of turning away from God, free will gone astray. 
and it's a war of the wills, right? I mean, just look, look at the news, <laughs> right? It's will against will, trying to dominate or coerce or control. And that's another amazing thing. God doesn't dominate, force, or control anyone. He has a sovereign will, and he, he knows what he's doing, and his plan will be accomplished, but he gives us free will, and he re respects it. And he works with us when we're willing. That's why faith. That's what why faith matters. He waits for us to put our trust in him. After studying thousands of near-death experiences, Pastor John found his own faith strengthened. The accounts we've explored today, modern and historical, could indicate that unlike our surface-level existence, heaven isn't something that can be objectively measured or observed. Instead, they indicate that perhaps the heavens are something that can only be seen or experienced by an individual under special circumstances. So we're left only with anecdotes. Some might say this is a feature of our existence, not a bug, because there must always be an element of faith. I'm Tiffany Meyer. It was a pleasure having you with us, and we hope to see you next time on Mysteries of Life.